Caminante Podcast Gracias por la sintonía eh, Yo he tenido unas cuantas conversaciones con empresarios que tuvieron una visión Y la pusieron en práctica Y por su práctica y disciplina, esa visión fue exitosa Hay una de esas personas, alguien que es muy cercana a mí y a la cual admiro mucho su personalidad, sabiduría y el empeño que le pone a todo lo que hace es digno de admirar <coughs> y quizás aprender mucho de ella. Eh, señorita Ziegler, gracias por ser parte de esta visión que ahora tengo yo. Gracias por tenerme aquí. Um, quería tenerte aquí porque quiero hacerte unas cuantas preguntas. Quiero eh, ver cómo empieza tu hazaña. Y cómo finalmente consigues ser lo que ahora mismo eres. So, um, first things first, I guess. How you started in the business and what is that you do? I am the owner of a water dry out company. So basically we come to homes that are wet, whether they've been wet by any kind of water leak from plumbing or a roof leak. We also do mold and fire and we dry them out. We take care of it, we re remediate it, and then we charge the insurance company so there's no out-of-pocket costs for the insured. The way I started is I used to work for the accounting department in the same kind of business for four and a half years. And when that company went out of business, after I saw how much money I was collecting for them, I thought that that would be a good business for me to get into. I liked it. I learned a lot while I was there for four and a half years. So. I ventured off on my own, really not knowing what I was doing at first, <laughs> and kind of just kind of winged it, and here we are today, six years later. And you were your own company, so basically, tú eras tu jefa y a la misma vez tu empleado, porque solamente eras tú. Correcto. Yo era la que hacía todo. Yo vendía, yo hacía los secados, yo colectaba, yo hacía la factura para la compañía seguro. Yo le pagaba a los plomeros y a los techeros. Yo hacía todo sola al principio. Ok, y más o menos, ¿a qué, ¿hace qué tiempo fue que empezó esa hazaña? Eh, yo empecé hace seis años y los primeros dos años estuve sola. ¿Tuviste sola los primeros Totalmente dos años? sola. Entonces tuve a un ayudante eh, part-time porque él trabajaba en otro trabajo por las noches y me ayudaba por el día. Y así estuve casi dos años más así con él nada más. Ok, bueno, eso es ya la parte, vamos a poner fácil, vamos a decir, eh, que estamos hablando ahora, que fue donde empezó tu hazaña como, como dueña de un negocio. Pero a tu temprana edad, ¿qué, qué tú hacías? ¿Qué era lo que tú hacías? Vamos a poner, a, si podemos decir tu edad. Tengo ¿Qué? 47 años. Bueno, vamos a poner a los 30, a los 20. A los 20, a los 30 yo era contadora. Eh, el giro mío es contabilidad eh, me gusta la matemática me gusta lo que hago pero para mí no es un giro como te diré interesante es bien lo que nosotros los americanos llamamos lame and tedious sentado en el escritorio delante de la computadora haciendo números el día entero y trabajar para otra persona y trabajar para otra persona tú puedes ser un contador que trabaja por su propia cuenta pero todavía estás haciendo la misma cosa todos los días. Yo sabía que eso es lo que yo no quería hacer. Yo quería hacer algo que todos los días era diferente, que podía salir a, a conocer a gente todos los días. Y tú no haces haciendo contabilidad, sin estar en un escritorio, tú no vas a conocer a nadie casi. Sí. Eso no. me cansé, bien rápido me cansé la contabilidad. Y cuando aprendí este giro, 
Yo supe desde el momento que lo aprendí que yo quería estar en este giro. A mí me, me encanta lo que yo hago. Y eso es más o menos a lo... Pero no tuviste, no sé, trabajaste para McDonald's en un tiempo para restaurar, no, no, nunca. Nunca. La única cosa que hice cuando yo empecé mi negocio, eh, porque necesitaba dinero inmediatamente para poder pagar la, el asistente mío y a poder rentar equipo, porque cuando empecé no tenía ningún equipo mío. Equipo como de secar. De o sea, las máquinas okay. para secar y hacer el trabajo. Eh, trabajé de server en Red Lobster. Mi primer trabajo como de waitress. con waitress, <risa> camarera de West Lobster. Eh, fue la primera y última vez que fui camarera. Me encantó el trabajo y salía. Los pancitos, los pancitos y, y los pancitos. <risa> <risa> Pero salía todas las noches con efectivo de las propinas. Y con ese efectivo le podía pagar al muchacho que me estaba ayudando o pagarle a los equipos que estaba rentando para poder hacer un trabajo. So, estamos hablando que cuando tú empezaste, trabajaba para Red Lobster y a la vez tú hacías tu propio negocio on the side. So, no, were... en ese momento yo estaba trabajando para una compañía de contabilidad okay. y Red Lobster. Y esta compañía que empecé. Que so, en sí tenía tres trabajos en ese entonces. So, quiero decir que casi no había mucha dormidera. Cuatro horas al día. Cuatro horas al día. De dos de la mañana a seis de la mañana es lo que yo dormía por casi dos años y medio. Y a veces la gente lo que ve es el resultado y no ve claro. la pela que uno coge para claro. llegar a donde uno llega. Y las horas que trabaja y las preocupaciones porque no tienes a otra persona que decir, todos los bienes me van a pagar. Tú misma tienes que buscar que todos los bienes haga dinero. Um, ¿Tuviste any setback along the way? As far as, as soon as you started. The... Eh, el único setback en sí que tuve es que no me di cuenta que cuando tú le cobras una compañía de seguro eh, no te van a pagar inmediatamente yo pensé que a terminar un trabajo en dos o tres semanas iba a tener un cheque y era más más o menos dos o tres meses so, al principio era bien difícil porque el dinero no estaba entrando suficientemente rápido para poder hacer el trabajo que estaba haciendo entonces ahí es donde recogía más chef de Red Lobster para ser un poquito más efectivo para tener para poder pagarle muchachos para que me ayudara y antes de, de empezar eh, eh, este negocio en el cual estás ahora, eh, ¿tuviste alguna otra idea que no funcionó? Eh, yo he tenido muchas ideas, lo que no he, no he empezado ningún tipo de negocio propio para que no me funcione. Nunca llegué a, a, a empezarlo. A empezarlo. Yo you siempre, sabía, ideas, right. yo siempre sabía que quería tener mi propia compañía, ser mi propia jefa, ser mis propias horas, pero nunca en sí empecé hasta que hice esto. So, basically... Hasta ahora estamos one for one. So far. So and far, hopefully this will be the one the, for one is the it. one for one is it. <laughs> That's it. Okay. And um, what motivates you now? ¿Cuál es, cuál es, yeah, what motivates you now, I think. Um, I think my, at this point it's my family. Uh, I know I need to succeed and do what I need to do because of my family. Uh, my granddaughters, uh, my daughter. Um, I think those are my biggest motivations. I get up every day and of course I don't want to work. Like everybody that gets up and doesn't want to go to work in the morning and sometimes I'm sitting in traffic and I, I wish I could turn around and go back to bed and then I think about six granddaughters that have to grow up and need, need things in their future and trying to leave a legacy for them. And that reminds me to keep going. They're my biggest motivation. And as a business owner, responsibility has changed. What is... Um What are, your, what are your responsibilities now? Everything. Even though you have employees that take care of certain departments for you and your company, you're still responsible for, 
for it. As How many a, employees as a, you have? I'm sorry. Uh, right now we have 19 employees. 19. Um, as of this moment. And I think what people fail to realize is that when you're an owner, you're never off the clock. You work 27, 24 hours a day, seven days a week because you're always worrying. When you go home, you're constantly thinking of your job and, you know, not only do you have your job to make successful, but you got payroll that needs to be met every week and you got these families that depend on you. So you're constantly thinking about work and making sure and worried. Um, so I think when you're at home, when you're a property, um, a business owner, you just worry about every department, whether or not you have people working those departments for you. So you're pretty much responsible for your company 100%. En algún, en algún momento quisiste darte por vencida y trabajar otra vez de 9 a 5, trabajarle a otro. I think about that every day. Yeah. <laughs> every day, um, you know, I, I think after a certain amount of years, your business gets easier. At the beginning, yes, absolutely. Especially when the money wasn't coming in as fast as I needed it to. Um, one of the hardest things of a company is growing so fast. And when you grow a lot of business, you got to make sure you have the personnel to be able to keep up. And to have personnel, you need money to pay the paychecks. And when money's not coming in that fast, you know, so at the beginning, yes, I would wonder why would I put myself under this kind of stress? Why did I want to work these 20-hour days? Why did I want to do this to myself? And every day I thought, you know, this would be so much easier just to go back and get a real job, and that's it. And this, yeah, leave that alone. And leave it alone, exactly. Yeah. You know, let somebody else deal with the problems and just pick up a paycheck every week. So at the beginning, yes, I would probably say I felt that way the first four years, four or five years. Once I started getting a good staff to help me and alleviate some of the stress, my attitude changed a little bit about that. So we're talking about you started on your own. It was a one-person show. Perfect. It was only you. And then you, right now it's 19, per, 19 personnel, basically. Correct. With me, with me, it's 20. With you, it's 20. With me, it's 20. So that's what, in the past two years, have. Two and a half years has been my growth. Your growth. Okay. You're right. I, I would say the first few years was laying the foundation, and then the last two and a half years we've been growing at a at a steady rate. Okay. So what's next for you? Um, you planning going corporate? You want to go national? Um, I will never go corporate. I'm totally against Why? everything that has to do with corporate. Why is that? Um, I believe in keeping a work environment that's fun that's laid back, that you have some structure, but you still can come to work and have a good time. I never want an employee to get up in the morning and not want to go to work. I think when you have an employee feel that way, they're obviously not going to perform the best that they can for you. So I'm trying to keep my environment friendly, nice, and with them in mind. And I believe when you become corporate, you lose that. You lose that one-on-one -on -one family atmosphere, and that's what I'm trying to maintain. Um, nationwide, no. Uh, nationwide, again, I feel that if we grow that much, you lose that one-on-one -on -one personal touch that you can give your customers. Um, I would like to go statewide. I would like to eventually have an office uh, mid-state in the Orlando area, and then one in North Florida, probably in the Tallahassee area. So yeah, because we we're talking your business in Florida. So correct. Yeah. I, I cover the entire state of Florida, and right now we do a lot of traveling in cars where if I could have a local offices in those areas, um, just our response time to our customers would be uh, minimized. Um, but that's, I think, as far as I would grow would be just the state. I, I do not want to go national. Good. ¿Y cuál es el futuro del negocio? Um, muchos, nego muchos negocios pequeños están desapareciendo. Hay um, 
gigantes en la industria del mercado con budget que son infinitos y ofreciendo toda clase de servicios y se están apoderando del mundo y desapareciendo a los que son más pequeños. ¿Tú tienes algunas ideas cómo mantenerte o cómo, cómo ves el futuro del negocio? Um, right now I see the company growing at a steady rate that I don't see that changing. Um, we have a few different ideas of how we're going to do new marketing to make sure that continues. The bigger companies, uh, when it comes to our industry, they, they are taking over, but they're not giving the good quality service that we are. And okay. when you talk to a lot of the insurance companies that we deal with, that's the first thing they say to us. The way you guys submit your paperwork, the amount of time it takes you to turn in your paperwork, the, the way you guys do your billing, you know, it's easy to work with you guys and we want to continue to work with you guys. And you don't get that when you get into such a big company. You lose that. So I think as long as we stay leveled, we stay grounded, uh, I see us going around for a very long time. I'm not planning on going anywhere. Good. I mean, <clears throat> I think customer service usually goes a long way and, and And sometimes that's the difference between small companies and, and big companies. Pero lo digo porque un ejemplo, mira, estamos viendo lo que le pasó al mismo Toys R Us, even though it was a big company. Pero vienen um, industrias como Amazon o, o gente con, con mucho más dinero que tal vez alguien de, de un negocio pequeño y lo saca del mercado. So siempre yo creo que hay que innovarse y estar, you know, ahead of the curve, como dicen, because... And on top of your game. On top of your game. And on top of sure. your game. And you can't slack on, on getting new business and, and investing money in your company to be able to promote your business and advertise your business and market your business out there. I think a lot of small companies, because of the budget, don't do that. And, and unless you get your name out there, you know, people need to hear your name in order to call you. So they don't know who to call if you're not out there with your name in their face 24 hours a day and that's why we do billboards that's why you know we look for ways to advertise so that every time you turn around the next time you hear the word moisture red you're gonna say oh i've heard that name before and that's what we're striving for um and you said that you don't want to go corporate one of the reasons because you don't want to lose that personal touch with your employees correct how how you treat your employees and how important it is to have that personal one-on-one -on -one <laughs> you might have to ask my employees. <laughs> um, I think I treat my employees really well. Um, you know, like I said, I, 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 I own my company, but I have a lot of family that works for me. You know, my son-in-law, my own brother, my own father works for me. Um, so we have that family atmosphere. We treat our employees like they're family. Um, I have a very open door policy. My employees can come talk to me about anything that they want. Uh, we do have a chain of command, but I... I've always have, I've always have told everyone my door is open and you can come talk to me directly. Um, you know, we're not sticklers about, about too much in the office as long as you don't take advantage of anything. Uh, we give all holidays off. We, we do Christmas parties so we can spend time and get to know people. Uh, we do corporate picnics once a year so that we can get to know the families. People bring their kids, people bring their grandkids. Um, so it's, we've, we've bonded in a family way. And I think the employees feel appreciated when you do little things like that. Um, now for Christmas, there'll be a gift on their desk almost every day out of the whole month of December. Christmas is my favorite holiday, so I go extra and beyond. But, you know, it's just less to know that as a boss, I'm thinking about them. And, as, and I tell them every time I meet with them in, in meetings is that I'm a, I appreciate because I know that my business wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for them. 
Uh, there's no way I could do what they all do for me by myself anymore. We, we, I outgrew working by myself a really long time ago. So I try to appreciate them and show them how appreciated they are as much as I can. Um, what advice you can give someone that is probably struggling right now and, and you know, what's one of your main, I want to say, attributes that you might think you have? Is it a discipline? Is it somebody who's struggling right now, trying to become free? <laughs> For someone who's struggling and trying to get into an industry, my biggest advice would be find a mentor. Find someone that you can talk to that's been in your shoes and can give you advice. For me, it was the guy who who rented the equipment for me. He, he's been in the industry for a really long time. He started pretty much the same way I did on his own with not knowing much of anything and learning by trial and error. And he, I would call him for everything. And that guy, no matter what time I called him, I could be at a customer's house and not know what I was doing and call him and he would walk me through it. So my biggest advice if you're going through a struggle is don't give up and find someone who's been in your shoes that can give you advice of how to get past the, the struggles that you're getting past in the, in, in, at the moment. There's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes we can't see it because we're so wrapped up, but there's someone that's going to point it out for you. And for me, I probably leaned on that guy for the first four years of my business and got to where I am where I, I don't have to bother him so much anymore. I kind of make you my still, own decisions. You still talk to him? I absolutely. I still talk Does to him. Does he know how big you have become? And I ha yes. Success? In fact, I, I invited him to our first corporate picnic. He couldn't come. He was out of town, but he's seen the pictures. So, you know, he's he he's seen what, we, what we've become, and he's been a big, big part of what it is that I've become. I mean, sometimes having that mentor is such a difference. Um, it can only take you so far. Uh, being grateful and thankful um, is one thing that I have witnessed that will take you also really far. Um, talking to that person is such a relief, and you have no idea how far it can take you just by listening. And you know, and it's not even just the, the talking to someone. It's, it's you admitting that you can't do it all yourself. You know, once you think that you know it all, and once you think that you don't need anybody and you don't need help, you're going to fail. You're going to fail because no matter who's starting what kind of business, you're new at a business, you don't know it all, you need those people that have more more um, experience than you do to teach you and show you and, and guide you at least. And get, If I was in your shoes, I would do this, whether you want to do it or not. But at least you have someone there giving you some ideas. Okay. And what was he? He was an American guy? He was he's an American guy. Yeah, he's an American guy. Uh, big guy. He's, he's, a, he's like a big teddy bear. Okay. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. And <laughs> um, where we dirigimos como país. Eh, la dirección um, eh, en la que va eh, nuestro país. ¿Cómo lo ve? You know, I'm really not much of a political person. I, I never have been. Um, it's not something that I understand a lot, so I try to, I try to listen and, and learn, but stay away. And um, my personal opinion, we're not going in a great direction. As a business owner, though. I, I don't think... Um, You know, as a business owner, I don't think what Trump is trying to do hurts my category of business. Because although I do have some employees and although we're growing, I'm still such a small business that what he's doing, the tax brackets, this and that, it really doesn't affect me much. Uh, the bigger companies, I can see how they will have issues with what he's trying to do. To me personally, um, his changes his his laws that he's trying to come into effect aren't aren't really affecting me do i think if i was a little big a bigger company would they affect me yes and 
I would hope that in the next two years we see some changes in that because the bigger companies are going to suffer with the things that he's trying to do. Um, and como sociedad, what do you think? Like, whatever you, you know, how you think your granddaughters, you talk about granddaughters and how's the future holding up, you think? You know, that's a scary thought. You know, when I, when I was younger, things were so different. And I see the world now and I think, wow, I feel bad for them because things are so, so less human. You know, the computers, the technology, you know, the kids don't go outside and play anymore. They've lost respect for adults. Um, we were just talking about that the other day at work when I came downstairs and some of my employees were talking about what's wrong with kids today is, you know, the parents have lost the opportunity to discipline. And we were saying a story of when my mom slapped me when I was six years old. It was the one and only time my mom has ever had to hit me because that was hard enough to, re to remember it 41 years later. Uh, but, you know, society, I worry about my granddaughters because, you know, they're girls, first of all, which you worry much more about girls than you do boys. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really worried because it, it's not good out there. It's, it's unsafe. Unfortunately, kids can't go outside and play anymore the way they used to before. You know, before we used to be in the neighborhoods and we were inside and out of people's houses and all the kids' moms could tell us what to do and we all listened. And now you don't even let your kids go in the backyard by themselves. I mean, as a country, we have grown so much also that maybe back then, you know, in Florida alone, for example, we're number three as far as people's um, population. population. And I just found out about that the other day. I was surprised. I'm like, I thought it was New York. It's Florida. <laughs> Florida's big and it's overcrowded. It's Not as much as big in size. It's just overcrowded. There's a lot of people here. You have to understand that pretty much everybody that comes from whether they're immigrating over from Cuba or Haiti, or they're all coming here. And this is, we, we kind of stick out of the United States and we're the closest thing, you know, we're the closest thing to Cuba and you have all these people coming. So we're just getting more populated as time goes on. And not only that, you're getting um, also South Americans and, and, and the New Yorkers and up north coming down here. And it's the weather. The weather. The people want to be here because of the weather. Yeah. So what do you say? You, you consider yourself a Democrat or a Republican? Oh. I am registered as a Democrat. Um, I voted as a Democrat. I do believe in some of the, the beliefs that Republicans have. Um, do I vote just because of what I'm registered as? No. You know, if I ever found out that I had a Republican president or a candidate that I thought was really good, would I vote Republican? Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I'm very liberal, um, so I tend to lean more toward the Democrats that, that are, for the most part, more liberal. Bueno. Um, Senorita Sigler, uh, Moisture Rich CEO, thank you for being here. I hope this is one of many. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I know how busy you are, um, so thank you for your time and sharing your story with me. Um, hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Anytime you invite Bye. me, I'll come back on. Thank you very much, Angie. Have a great night. Bye-bye.